Hey everybody, it's Greg Gutfeld. I'm with one of my favorite writers of all time. He wrote Up in the Air. That's probably, you know, you, you saw the movie with George Clooney. A lot of people say I look like him, uh, but uh, that's another time. Blood Will Out, a great, a great, a great nonfiction uh, uh, book. And um, I think this is our second time doing this, but so it's a tradition that Walter Kern will be interviewing me on my new book, The Plus, which believe it or not, I'm almost already sick of. I hate this, I, promoting a book is brutal because it makes you say the same things over and over again. And I'm tired of hearing myself. Walter, do you have that problem? Well, Greg, I don't have the advanced publication schedule that you have. From reading your book, you wrote it two days ago. It was published yesterday. And um, now you've been talking about it for a whole 24 hours and are sick of it. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird, though? So I wrote, the, I wrote this book. Uh, okay, so you, as a writer, you understand you get a contract, you write a book. This wasn't on my... Um, schedule. I had finished the, the Gutfeld monologues and then I was supposed to wait two years, but all this crap was going on. And I'm talking before COVID. Um, uh, social media mobbery, cancel culture, that was driving me crazy. And also I just felt that the world was going in a weird, weird place. So in the middle of the night, I came up with this idea and I was thinking maybe it's just an article. Maybe, Walter, it was only supposed to be an article. I don't know, but uh, you can judge that. But anyway, so I, I called the publisher. I go, I have an idea, but it's, I don't have to write it. It's like it was not. So I thought that maybe that's a sign, Walter, that it, it, this will be a good book because it wasn't planned. It's like an unplanned pregnancy. Well, literary types such as myself would say the muses spoke to you, ah. and you were and you were helpless not to make this contribution to our you know literature and conversation. And you know because I'm interviewing you, Greg, I'm going to yes. put you on the spot right okay. away. Awesome, and please do. You can spend the rest of the show trying to climb out of this mud mud pit. Mm -hmm. What was it that came to you late at night and told you? that you, Greg Gutfeld, you know, confessed weirdo and host of the strangest talk show on television, had advice to give America on how to be happy and how to be positive and how to contribute more than you take? It's a good question because I really, uh, I am the last person on the planet who should be giving advice on how to be happy, uh, except that I wanted to experiment. On myself I wanted to see if it was possible if I could do it like so I, I came up with this idea the plus and it right. was the idea of like trying to be trying to trying to analyze every situation if, if in which your behavior will either add to it or subtract to it and I was it was specifically for like dealing with stuff online like do I really need to post something do I really need to comment on something do I really need to say anything and I think that so that so I started to feel a little better over time and I started doing things differently. So I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm old, Walter. Now mm -hmm. that I'm, I may be a weirdo. I don't know if you've noticed this, but even weirdos mellow. You know, did yes. you notice that? Like we, in like, myself, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, like there are punk rockers from the 70s who scare the crap out of you, but now are like gentle kind of like grandfathers who sit at the pub and they give you advice. You know, it's really weird. Not weird. It's natural. People who get older tend to have, you know, accumulate experience and they're tired and they, and they have all this stuff they want to tell you because they're bored right. and lonely. 
So you're saying if Sid Vicious were alive today, he yes. would be Santa Claus, right? Okay. Except Johnny Rotten, Johnny Rotten could be a great Santa Claus. But yeah, you're right. Do you know how many punk rockers who are in their 50s now just play golf? That's all they do is play golf. Alice Cooper, I know he plays yeah. a lot of golf. You know, he does. He's pre-punk. But yeah. I, okay, I'm going to ask you this too, Greg. Yeah. Your, your book begins with a kind of... Mm, sad story of a lonely man who likes to have a cocktail or two and then can't help but get on Twitter and weigh in. Yes. Now, it's been my thesis for a long time that Twitter and alcohol go together like, uh, you know, Don Draper and secretaries. <laughs> and uh, um, so so let's, let's go through this biographical process. Yes. There was a time in your life when you felt you had to convince people of things on Twitter while drinking. Yes. And what happened to that time? What, how did that become the plus? Well, I think what, ha- what I realized is when I, uh, when I relax, okay, so Saturday, um, I take time off. And you're talking about the time when I, w- during the Covington uh, kid uh, scandal. And I, I tweeted like, oh, that kid needs to, you know, needs to be punished for being a jerk or whatever. Then I re- right. took it all away. But anyway, th- I realized that my tweets aren't any different when I'm drinking. There's just more of them. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's just the quantity. So it's almost like you're less likely to get in a car accident if you don't drive. But if you're driving right. all the time. So I ended up, like, I'll, I've looked at this. My tweets are exactly the same. But there'll be like 30 of them in a day. Right. And then when I'm not drinking, there's none. And I'm going like, okay, why am I doing this for free? Like, why am I, right. like, why am I jeopardizing my life and my career, my life, my career, my livelihood for something that I'm not getting paid for? I should be doing that on Fox. I should be saving this amazing information for the five instead of like spitting it out for the, for what's his name on Twitter? Who owns it? I can't think of his name. Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Why, why am I making money for him? Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about me. So um, that the plus was um, understanding that. And, and uh, whenever you're drinking and my wife does this to me, she just takes the laptop away from me. And, right. um, but after this book, so after this book promotion stuff is over, I told myself that I'm walking away from Twitter. I, I use Twitter as a news feed, um, which is fine, even though it destroys your brain. Uh, but, and, and, and also just to keep up with friends, but it really isn't, a, it, I don't think it's a healthy thing in the, uh, um, overall. I don't know what you think. I know what you think. Well, late, lately, um, you speak of your wife taking away your Twitter. Mine has made late night long distance phone calls to me where, uh, where, where she's monitoring my feed and decides uh, to intervene. And I've noticed that Kanye and Kim Kardashian and even Elon Musk and Grimes now have, have acted out marital spats just in the last week or so on That's Twitter. True. That's true. Um, so it may be the problem that we're husbands and men uh, because I don't ever see it going the other way with men calling their wives and saying, get off Twitter. But, uh, not to no, be interesting old. point. It's an interesting point. Why, uh, you know, I, is it because men just are seeking to seeking attention in that particular way um, that women don't? I don't know because uh, uh, it is kind of you know what. There's a weird thing where I I suspect that for a lot of people, Twitter is is like a substitute for an ex relationship, and you're sent, you're trying to say, hey, look at me now. Instagram's more like that. Like, hey, right. look how great my life is. 
And it's not good. Like when we were kids, you didn't know anything about your next, the private lives of your next door neighbors. You just played ball with them in the park. You didn't know anything about their parents, except maybe the dad was kind of imposing and the mom was not your mom. You know, it was like something else. And, and, but now we know like everything about everybody and it's, it's, it's killing the mystery, but it's more than that. It's, it's, I don't know. It's making everybody boring by knowing everything. The more you know, know, it blows. Greg, you're a talk show host. That's what I call you, no matter what you call yourself. And <laughs> but, but, but there have been some great ones, uh, Dick Cavett, Johnny Carson. And just imagine if they had Twitter. Just imagine if we knew what Johnny Carson really thought of Charo, you know, from a late night tweet. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so you're right. It does remove a certain mystery. Um, but I'm, I'm going to ask you this now. You yeah. talk for a living, and that's because you do what you love. You are always talking. You are yeah. always probably expressing yourself. And it's probably hard to turn it off, you know? It's, um, it's a thing. Okay, so this is now, now, you're, now we're going to talk about marriage and relationships again. This, yeah. is, uh, this is an actual conversation that I have with Elena a lot when I try to explain to her. Because she's Russian. And Russians, they talk, but they don't tell you anything. They don't, they, they were like, they, they're, the, they're the king of misdirection. And, and um, they were like, and so it's like, they, it's like, you don't, sh like, she, she is like internally amazed when I share information about mm -hmm. my personal life with somebody else. And there was something that just happened recently. She goes, you don't have to bring that up. Why are you bringing that up? And I go, well, I, I, I go, I bring everything up. She goes, you don't have to tell people about what happened in your apartment. And I go, but that's, Kind of what I do. Then that's you know that's why, why that is, Greg. You know why that is because they already had cancel culture and yeah. people died in Siberia of it. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. They have like she has no. She is like so. She's completely stoic in in the face of all this American strife. To her, it's just like you don't. She's happy to be you know in a, in a, in, in America. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about the, the you know. But anyway, but the other thing that to your point. Uh, she catches me when I'm talking to her like I'm on the five or the GG show. And I'm trying to explain to her that she's putting the cart before the horse or the chicken and the egg. I've been talking like this before I did their shows, did mm -hmm. those shows. And those shows are just me continually talking. So it's not like I'm treating her like a guest. I'm just treating guests like my friends. I don't know. That's a, that's a great point. I'm going to save that. Well, well, that's the secret as a, as a media critic. Because, um, Greg, I do the same thing you do for vastly less, less money with a much smaller audience. And, um, Greg, you, you treat your friends like the general public, and you treat the general public like your friends. And I think that's <laughs> the secret to your popularity. Uh, but, 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 but let's move on here. You also came to some sort of... Uh, epiphany about wanting to improve just your own well-being and that of others and that of the general conversation mm -hmm. and you call it the plus but explain really succinctly what that means well all right um, this is this is why it's a difficult because i've never really uh okay so here's how i would i'm going to actually read to you this a person wrote, wrote a review of it and did a better job so every, actually, I think this is actually from, from the, uh, I, I wonder who wrote this, but it's basically, I say, every morning you have a choice to make. 
uh, whether you're going to be a positive or a negative. So what I try to do is I try to reduce everything to those two terms. So we want to surround with people, surround yourself with people who who are positive and encourage you instead of being constantly negative. And you should always be educating yourself in new things and different things. So the idea of just always trying to add things to your life and eliminate the negatives. Uh, and so that, I mean, that naturally, so everything's a plus or a minus. And it's like a scorecard, which is weird because I wrote a book called The Scorecard. And, but before I'm about to say something to Walter Kern, I think, is this going to be a plus or a minus? And it's really, it's, maybe most people just do this in life but I don't, I just jump off the, I just you know, pretty much jump off the roof into the pool every time mm -hmm. I open my mouth. But now I'm trying to figure out, okay, maybe there's a better way to do this, especially on social media. Uh, you know, again, most of the time, most of the answers are just shut up on social media. But I think that's what the plus is. It's just constantly assessing life in a way that makes you a more positive influence and to be influenced positively by others. Okay, from what I hear, it's partly about impulse control. In other <laughs> words, mo <laughs> monitoring your own impulses. Secondly, it's partly about putting, you know, top spin on the ball whenever possible nice. uh, in, the, in the sense of being positive. But, but you said something in the book that really struck me. You said, hey, listen, when you go on Twitter, you're not going to change anybody's mind about anything. Mm -hmm. Greg, you're in the business of changing people's minds, are you not? I think that every, I think that the over, oh boy, um, it takes a while for me to change people's minds. For example, I will use Red Eye as an example. When Red Eye started, everybody at Fox hated it. I mean, the viewers, the amount of mail was, uh, was like, it was soul crushing that it was so bad that we had to get super drunk after every show to erase the pain. But it took over time. We started after to, every show. After every show. <laughs> and, but it was, what was weird was over time, the mail started shifting and we started getting letters from people that said, I used to hate you, but now I get it. So the, the, there's some things where you can change people's mind and that's in the personality, uh, being authentic, being authentic. Right. They, they may disagree with me, but they end up liking me. And, but now politically, that takes a long, that, that's a longer challenge because I think the majority of the people who like me, like me because they agree with me. And a lot of people don't like me because they don't agree with me. And you can't, it's hard to, to flip that thing around because it's, the cognitive dissonance is too strong. I have now been learning to like people I disagree with, you know, lately because of stepping away from you politics. You whipped out. Yes, I whipped out. <laughs> so true. But no, that, I, I, think, um, I think I can change people's minds by, by, uh, well, there's a lot of things that I agree with them in some areas, admitting when I am wrong, uh, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, getting rid of the sunk cost in every argument so we can actually start over. But I tell you, it's, it's pretty hard these days. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Greg, I think that you've, you're on to something because I think temperament and politics are starting to overlap. I, I, I think that you're starting to see a division between the happy, positive, cheerful people Mm -hmm. And the people who wear black insect costumes and throw them all out of cocktails and uh, 
you know, so, so maybe this self-help book is really a stealth political statement. That's interesting. You know, I was, I, there's something in the book where I talk about the social justice warrior and it was the one area where I was less forgiving uh, than I was with everything else. Uh, and, and I was like, why is that? And I realized because they're so miserable and the misery is now some kind of kabuki theater on the street. And they're like, and there's a lot of like, well, it's interesting. And I'm not talking about black lives matter. They're all white people. The, the people yeah. that are the most unhappy, extreme and scare, not, I wouldn't even say scary. I would say pathetic. A lot of them are, are almost all of them are white, kind of academic, miserable people. And you're right. And it's like the people that are actually having a good time are on the other side. And it's not because they're cold or insensitive. It's just that they're having a good time and they want everybody to have a good time. And, and I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a great contrast is Kaylee McEnany and the, and the press corps. It's like, she's up there. She's looking like, she's like a Terminator, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a beautiful, uh, uh, pleasant Terminator. And they, they're just miserable. That's probably to a lesser contrast than, the, than like Antifa. Antifa and a Trump rally is a good comparison. You know, well, since there are no Trump rallies anymore, it's yeah. Antiva and, you know, a covid briefing. Yeah, but COVID. Uh, yes. but but, uh, you know, so I think you've identified something there. But but I'm going to also weigh in here as your friend. The yeah. last time I saw you was was just after the State of the Union address. Trump looked unstoppable. He looked like he was framing a positive vision and the market was at an all time high and, you know, he just survived impeach, impeachment yeah. and, and so on. And, and now that was the last time I saw you. Now we are prevented from physically embracing and have been for many months. And, uh, <laughs> and yet I see you on TV, Greg, and you look happier, slimmer, uh, better dressed. Um, and, just in general, like you're thriving while the rest of us are kind of struggling. It is true. It's weird. <laughs> I, it's true because I actually, I, the book was part of it, but it was like, okay, I realized that I looked and I go, if I'm going to be alone in a house for four months, I'm, it's going to go one way. It's going to go, I'm going to be morbidly obese because I eat. And also I didn't really enjoy the exercise at the gym and then the gym closed. So that, that variable was gone. So I got a Peloton, I got a Peloton and I started eating paleo and I lost 40 pounds and I, I, I work out every day. I enjoy every minute of it. I'm never bored. I look forward to it. Then I eat, I cook a lot. My, when my wife is here, she's now traveling. Uh, I, I eat really healthy. Um, I still drink a fair amount of wine, but I think I'm allowed to. And Mm -hmm. I, what? <laughs> Why do you think you're allowed to? <laughs> because you've prospered in every other way. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I can have one vice, one legal vice anyway. But yeah, okay. no, it's, it's like, it's true. It's like, I'm like, I have this discussion, you know, one of the Elena goes, you know, you should just cut down. I go, Elena, this is the only thing. I don't have a gambling problem. I'm not a sex addict. Uh, and I, and, and I don't have, like, there's things that like, it could be worse. So like right. me, my, my sin is after the five or after whatever I'm working on, I sit down and I put on a record and I pour wine and I drink wine. And then sometimes I drink wine until I get sleepy. Sometimes I don't. That's kind of what I do. You put on an actual record. Yeah. I've got it into, that was one of the other things I got into during COVID is vinyl. And, uh, I have a buttload of obscure, weird stuff 
like stuff like Sop With Camel, you know, this mm-hmm. band from like 1969, one album and weird world music and stuff from Nigeria and just creepy stuff that made by, uh, by hermits in the 50s and uh, all sorts of great stuff. I just bought a great album. This one's Tenger, which is a South Korean, a South Korean um, drone band, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, I have, all, I think I have all their stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I got a lot of Misfits records because they'd send me. You know what I bought, which is great? An old Dillinger. Do you remember that reggae? He was in, oh, yeah. Yeah, from the 70s. And then I have, a, I just bought this album, um, Caetano Veloso. Oh, Cact- yeah, Caetano Veloso, which is a Brazilian singer. Anyway, my point is I buy weird music. Okay, I buy music in which I don't know the vocals. I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the lyrics because I don't want to be influenced by lyrics. I think that's been a huge mistake growing mm-hmm. up is being influenced by other people's perspectives that sound sexy and arresting. So when somebody is telling you to F the police and it sounds great, yeah. that influences you because I love that album straight out of Compton, but every, the, the message wasn't very good. But anyway, and there's a lot of, I won't get into that, but I like listening to music where I can't understand the vocals and offers me uh, escapes from reality. So I sit and I drink uh, wine and I listen to records and, right. uh, and uh, that's it. That's and eat life. paleo or eat keto and go on your exercise bike. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's drill down into that because we are talking to an American audience. Yes. Uh, you, you actually eat keto. Is that right? I mean, you avoid carbs? All carbs. I try to avoid all carbs. I guess there's carbs in red wine, but it's not affecting me, which is interesting. But yeah, I don't right. eat any bread. I don't eat any starch, any... Uh, any um, like rice or grains. I just, or I just started, I mailed away for a cereal called Magic Spoon, which is a grain-free cereal that looks like children's cereal for adults, and it's great. It's so good. Wow. They have like their own Fruit Loops, and they're, they taste just like Fruit Loops. So what I'm taking from all this is while the rest of the country is in crisis, we could also call that Greg's diet. Yes. Um, as a contrarian, you never fail to surprise me. You know, uh, suicide is up, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Deaths, yeah. deaths of despair are up. And you've decided to go all Dr. Wayne Dwyer, your, Roger, your, your erroneous zones. You know what's weird about you? What you're saying is bizarre because when the world is going well, I'm fairly... Uh, existentially dreadful like I'm I mean I'm full of dread it's not depression but it's the idea of this is not going to end well because it won't we know we're all gonna die but I'm like I I, I'm I I'm always filled with existential dread and it's nothing to be proud of it's just a reality and then it went away and and um and then it's like I don't know if it's god it's one of those things that like historians and People with a lot of wisdom say it's like you, when you need something that's really kind of scary and challenging in your life to make you, I guess, snap you out of this stuff. Like you can't afford to be an existential, miserable jerk during, the, during a pandemic when you have people who depend on you and you have family and, and, you're, tra- and, you're, and, you're, and you're talking to millions on TV and you have to be very, you have to be supportive. So I just decided to be Mr. Positive. That would have been you know, a that- of my book. That's 
positive. That's the way to make money in the stock market too, they say. You know, uh, be optimistic when others are fearful and be cautious when others are overly optimistic. Mm-hmm. So um, have you made money in the stock market at the same time? <laughs> no. In fact, in fact, I have, uh, aside from the 401k, I have nothing in the stock market. I've never put anything in it. And I am a stupid person. I should have put money in Peloton when I bought that bike because it, it's like something like tripled during the pandemic. But I don't, I didn't, I felt like I'd rather talk about it on TV than invest in it because I'm stupid. Right. And that way you stay out of trouble with the SEC too. So yes. that's good. Um, I got an electric bike, Walter. Well, what do you mean by that? Because I got an electric you mean bike. One that go, you mean one that is not just stationary, one that goes around New York City. Yes, I got it. You, you, could, you could pedal, but you could press a button and go faster, and it makes you feel like you're superhuman. Uh, I, I did that in Santa Monica all uh, the other winter when I was writing for a TV show, and I love those things. They Aren't make they you great? feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I want. I want an electric mind. I want one which, where I can push assist. <laughs> assist. That's so true. Like, that's, do you know what that is? Though? You know, that's your phone. Um, this is your assistant. Okay. This is your assistant. So it's like when you're, when you're trying to think of something, Siri is the assist for your brain. You don't want it inside your brain. That's too gross. Greg, I find it's the exact opposite. Siri is what make me dumber. Yeah. Um, you know, instead of racking my memory for something, I ask Siri, and then it gives me a wrong answer, and I remember that I knew the right one all along, all along sort yeah. of like Dorothy in Kansas. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to tell you that your book was very powerful. I actually read it. Your oh, publisher you. got it to me before we had this interview, and so everybody out there can know this is a real interview. Um, I started putting into practice three days ago the plus scheme of things. Cause I've had a hard time during this yeah. COVID thing, you know, I know unable, unable to go on the Greg Gutfeld show. That's uh, the worst. Yeah, exactly. Other things. And I'm going to tell you besides the keto diet, which I also implemented, you're absolutely right. We have a choice way more often than we think as to what the likely outcome of our acts is going to be. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it took you so long to realize that? You know, I guess I felt, you know what it was, is I think I thought things were, I thought certain beliefs were correct when in fact they weren't. Or, or what am I trying to say? That, that, that the reality was a perception. That's what I think changed it. It's like it didn't have to be this way. Why is it this way? And I, and I think that politically, I think it's it politically as well. It's like some of these things, I just realized a lot of this stuff is merely illusions or simulations. I don't know what they are, but that meant that I could control everything better. Greg, Greg better. you've become a Buddhist and you just don't know it. No, I, I'm serious because in one of your chapters is about seeing through the notion that there are only two ways mm-hmm. in every situation. Right. Why don't, you t- why don't you talk about that? Non-duality, the Buddhists call it, but you I, call it something else. I call it prison of two ideas. I, you know, the thing is, I read a book on Buddhism by Robert Wright about three years ago, and I loved mm-hmm. it. I think it was called mm-hmm. Buddhism is the Answer. It was really good. Yes, um, yes. Um, I love, he's great too. Um, 
so I, the prison of two ideas is exactly how cable TV and basically all media wants you to think that there's only two choices. So you're either, you know, CNN only wants you to think there's one. Exactly. But, uh, that's, that's true. <laughs> but but anyway, like, well, it's either you're for Biden or you're racist. You know, that's, that's the CNN to prison of two ideas. Uh, <laughs> e- either you're, um, you know, you, you are, uh, you're green or you're a, a, a horrible polluter, or like oh, you're, you're pro-nuke or you're pro-environment. That's a good right. prison. You can actually be pro-environment and pro-nuke. So it's like you can go through all issues and realize that there's, the prison, there's, no, there's no two sides. You can, have, like in immigration, you could be for one type of immigration and against another type of immigration. Like you could have, you know, maybe you don't want highly skilled because you have an argument for that. Maybe you think low skilled is another form of slave labor, but you want to have highly skilled. Or you want, there's like, we do ourselves, we, as a country, we are screwed by this idea. Um, There are liberals, I do use this example in the book, that really, in their hearts, are tough on crime. But the moment they suggest that we have to do something about, let's say, the riots, or arson, or increases in shooting, they feel that they're going to be put in the prison of you're with Trump. Oh, you're a Republican now, you're tough on crime. You're supposed to be, you know, protect the, protect the suspects, innocent until proven guilty. That's their, that's the two prisons. When in fact, you know, you, you know, as a liberal, you want your streets safe too. You know, you, and you can, you can move a little bit over and we can move over. Like, shit, uh, Trump did prison reform. So he went over, he's tough on crime and he went over there. Why can't you? So it's like the prison of two ideas actually keeps our crime rate high uh, because nobody wants to leave their own cells. Uh, and and I'm de Blasio being the biggest offender of this. You know, I want to thank you for letting me interview you because wow. what I've really been, what I've been doing the whole time, mm-hmm. because your audience can't see you, but I can. I've been admiring your haircut. Thank you. Your, the clarity of your skin, the brightness of your eyes. And I'm going to tell people that if they knew that Greg got filled, I do, they would run out and buy the plus right now because it, whatever you're doing is working, dude. And it's actually spooky. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You're the best. I cannot wait to have you back on my show. And hopefully you'll be close to a studio uh, soon, I would hope. Yes. Thank you, Walter. You're, you're, a, okay. you're a plus. <laughs> okay. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye.